How you doing, everybody? My name is Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Thank you for joining us. I don't know how many of you will be here in the next 15 minutes, anyone that is watching on YouTube. But if you are here, we appreciate it. I know the tournament is starting. If you think Kevin reading the comments is bad, just imagine what it's like while he's watching West Virginia versus Maryland mid-show. Um, and I thought Craig would have done his job and would have got this really cool graphic that ups the, updates the scores in real time, but I guess we can't really rely on him for anything, really. Um, if you're uh, if you're out there listening on the YouTube, hit subscribe, hit thumbs up. If you're on the podcast, please hit subscribe. We appreciate you listening. Jeff Mosher is coming on at 1230. We're going to figure out what's up with CJGJ, where the Jalen Hurts deal might be at, how much, how, mo- how much longer are we going to have to wait. But before we get into that, let's get in. Let's bring on, excuse me, Kevin Kincaid. Look at you already, already watching the game, already watching the the pregame. <laughs> We're going to say, let's get into, let's get into Kevin Kincaid here. Uh, it's, let's it's, get into Kevin yeah. Kincaid. Kev, tell us everything that's like, you know, just bothering you right now. Maybe we'll just use this as your, as a little black couch for you to just have therapy. What are you most worried about in the West Virginia, Maryland game? Bob Huggins? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I've got money on Maryland. Absolutely. Oh. I mean, as soon as the draw came out, I was like, yeah, 20 bucks on the Terps easily. Wow. Yeah. No, I was very surprised. They're like, what, 19 and 14 this year? I was very shocked that they got an eight seed. Yeah, me too. I mean, we were better earlier in the year and we just got our ass kicked in conference play. But I, I don't I've been out on Bob Huggins for a long time. I don't I don't trust Bob Huggins in the tournament. <laughs> you know, I mean, we went, we went to the final four like 14 years ago or 13 years ago. But that's when when he had like half of John Beeline's recruits still playing for him. So I've been I've been out on it for out on him for a long time. And I um I'm one of those people, too, who bets against their own team mm. just to like provide me a, a positive outcome regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, I've turned into that guy. Wow. It's like, I like it. uh, either, either I get either I get a uh, West Virginia win or I make some money off of it, you know, because I, I was like, you know, how I'm like really pragmatic and, and really like measured when it comes to Eagles stuff and Philly stuff. I was terrible with with college stuff. Oh, you know, really? for the longest time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was terrible. Yeah. My wife will tell you stories about like we were she got me tickets to some concert down in Atlantic City. and We were driving down to the concert and all I was doing the whole time was just checking scores on my phone. So. So I try to try to avoid that. I've tried to, yeah, I tried not to be that guy anymore, you know. So I put money on on Maryland, and uh, you know, we'll see. You were there at the heyday of West Virginia, so I don't think anyone can, uh, you know, can 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 uh, fault you on, you know, being kind of uh, not pragmatic, being a little, you know, Debbie Downer when it comes to the <laughs> West Virginia Mountaineers, because you saw, no. you saw the ultimate, ultimate Pat White, Owen Schmidt, Deshaun Butler. Yeah years Deshaun, but yeah well and i mean that when we went to the uh the elite eight in basketball too with john beeline we beat chris paul i think chris paul's last uh last basketball game in college but it was for wake forest he lost to west virginia he lost to kevin pitznagel and uh mike Ganzi in the in the second round so that was that too but yeah i'm i'm totally i'm like when it comes to west virginia sports i'm like an angry wip caller you know, I devolve into like uh, Chuck from Mount Airy when it comes to my my college team. You know, so that's so so here I am watching it on the eighty five inch down in the basement, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to just uh, I, I gamble to help set my mood, right? Like, give me a win, and then my my mindset will be like I'll, I won't be a shitty person to be around for the uh, for the next twenty four hours. You know, what insurance company do you think Kevin Pitsnoggle's selling out of right now? Uh, you think <laughs> nationwide out of Charleston? I love these stories too. I love these stories of like those one hit wonder, like those like those March Madness guys who 
Ali Farouk Manesh. I was tweeting about him today. Northern Iowa. That game was awesome back in the day. Northern when they beat Iowa. Cool. Yeah, when the Missouri Valley Conference like had had a like a like a hot hot streak going on like like however long ago that was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pitsnoggle, he went to uh he went back to like the panhandle in West Virginia where he was from and he became a school teacher and he put on like a hundred pounds. I didn't even <sighs> I didn't even recognize him. But he's a great he's like the perfect like what happened to them, like you know, March Madness kind of story, you know, where those guys never really had NBA prospects over. By the way, I'm watching this live right now and they're doing the intro to the game. Like do we what is it with them putting like Barkley and other people up on the on on the uh you know the analyst yeah. group who don't who don't watch college basketball? Don't, yeah, exactly. And yeah. admit it that they don't watch is, is Rex Chapman back? <laughs> no, I said let me see who I got here. I got is it Greg or Brian Gumble? I think it's Greg Gumble, right? Greg Gumble, I think that's Clark Kellogg, um uh Kenny What's his face from TNT, um, and Charles Barkley. No, so Jay Wright. Well, I guess Jay Wright might have the CBS broadcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's him. Kevin Pitsnoggle. Look at it. Yeah. Those tattoos yeah. have to look insane when you add 100, 100 pounds on your body. Yeah. I mean, those things he's, have to be freaking morphed. He's not that like. old, man. I mean, so that was like, you know, his heyday was like 2006, seven or whatever. So what is he? He's 40. Uh, oh, my God. 16 years have transpired since that. So he's like 40, Oof. you know? Right. I mean, almost uh yeah late 30s early 40s yeah i know I, I love it man i love march madness because like you know you're saying the other day it's um it's like the one thing that you can watch every year where you don't have to have a, a single rooting interest mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. you don't have to know anything about these guys I mean, yeah there he is again oh full sleeve huge. kevin pitsnoggle man he's huge he's massive yeah he put on a lot of weight i mean he was a big guy in college um I got to play against him at the rec center one time. It, it was it was crazy, man, because these guys like you're pretty tall. You're six, what are you six five? Mm -hmm. Okay, like Kevin Pitsnaga was like almost seven foot, I think, and like these, his wingspan was incredible, man. I was I was guarding, um, or he just ended up guarding me for like two seconds, or I couldn't even see around him. I couldn't even see past his arms. <laughs> yeah, so when they when they talk when the NBA guys talk about like uh, you know deflections and wingspan and stuff like that, that's no joke, man. That's like a real deal because I was having a lot of trouble with that when i was like a 19 year old dipshit in, in uh, morgantown but no man i just i i it's funny because you know then legal sports betting comes along and it's like oh you know march madness and all this stuff but man i i just like everybody watch march madness even before all that you know it's like it's just like the upsets you like the constant like it's like it was like red zone before there was red zone like just going back and forth between these games you know Always, yeah, the TV man. setups are some of my favorite. I love that the uh, if you've seen it, Rush Joy's been tweeting about it. How YouTube TV has now has the multi view now, where you can watch like four different games on yeah. the platform. You're still yeah. 30 seconds behind. So if you do see if there is a buzzer beater, you get it literally <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds after everybody. It's it's a it's a social media sports manager's worst nightmare. Uh, having YouTube yeah. TV, it's the only thing. That I, I am almost convinced that everybody that still has cable are over the age of sixty-five and don't know how to cancel it, or they're all like social media managers for any pro sports team. Because <laughs> I, uh, when I had Roku and Apple TV and, and and whatever streaming service, it was so bad. How many times, like a Sixers game, like a late Sixers game was was ruined, or a Phillies home run was ruined, or like a late goal in a Flyers game or a touchdown, I'm getting you know thirty seconds behind because the delay is so bad. Figure out the delay. Stop with the multi-games YouTube mm -hmm. TV. You're, you're, I mean, you've got billions and billions of dollars. You've got unlimited money. Figure it out. I don't mind it, and I'll tell you why. I, <sighs> I learned this I learned this during the – no, there's actually like a good reason for this. I learned this during the Eagles season because um, 
you know, we cut the cord, uh, you know, three or four months mm-hmm. ago, whatever, when, when did the Eagles season start September, you know, um, and everybody gives you the joke about the delay on YouTube TV or whatever. And it's like, yeah, if you want a live bet or whatever, you got to wait until commercials or it's, it's a little harder to do that or whatever. But I, I, I found out kind of inadvertently that I didn't want spoilers to take place when I was watching the games. And so I was like, well, I can't be on Twitter uh, if I'm going to, you know, if I want to avoid spoilers, I'm like, I don't want to fucking be on Twitter anyway. So it's like, oh, this is great. Sure. You know, I can, it, it helped me turn off social media and just watch the game and respond to the game. You know what I'm saying? And then it, my, more of my focus was was on that and less of like people belly aching about, you know, a penalty or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it just, I don't know. For me, it made the the viewing experience more more enjoyable, you know, kind of detach yourself from social media and not have to be like, you know. Well, which is, which was great. I mean, you, the thing is, I wish, you know, a lot of Howie Roseman free agency moves were uh, a 30 second delay. I could watch them on a 30 second delay because maybe even a 12 hour <laughs> delay, because since we talked about it, Howie Roseman is officially captured Thomas, as you know, Rashad Penny brought in on a low risk high reward deal. Fletcher Cox comes back uh, on one year, 10 million turned down money for more money from the Jets. Uh, seven sacks last year, top 10 among defensive tackles. James Bradbury resigns for three more years. Jason Kelsey is back. And then yesterday morning, news comes out. Slay and the Eagles can't come to an agreement. They restructure his deal. People are firing off tweets. I'm firing off tweets. I'm thinking if he wants to win, he'll restructure. I'm saying that you you know go draft a first-round town and, and you pay CJ 10 times out of 10 over a 32-year-old with a $17 million cap hit. We're all just firing out what we think of Darius Slay. And then by midnight, Darius Slay restructures his deal, and now he's back in Philadelphia. It's crazy. And then what yeah. the cherry on top of this is, you know, once Howie Roseman brings back CJ, GJ, this guy has to give Howie some head. Well, we're going to have to hold him to it. You know, don't let him yeah. delete it. Right. Uh, is no. this a screen grab? Did we screen grab this? It's right. a screen grab right now. It's still up as uh, as about an hour ago. So uh, okay. if, if Howie Roseman gets CJ, GJ, which I hope he does, sometimes maybe around the little break in March Madness around dinner time. Um, this guy's Reese season, uh, uh, yeah. S-Z-N on Twitter has to just has to just smoke some pastrami well it's weird because i I don't feel like i worked very hard yesterday and yet like you know we put up like 14 posts on the site or something like that because i think like after after uh family dinner or whatever i think i put the miles sanders thing up and i think i put the Mm -hmm. danny briere uh son update thing up and then i was ready to like fall asleep and you messaged me like hey i'm gonna throw up slay and i'm gonna throw up uh Edwin yeah, Diaz oh, Edwin going Diaz, down. Diaz. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. All right. I can't like keep up with all this stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, but it How isn't it funny. Cause we were, t- cause we were talking when Bob was on Tuesday, it's like, well, they lost three, they lost three starters in a backup and you know, blah. and then, you know, 24 hours later, a bunch of signings and a bunch of whatever. And even then you show, you showed the, you know, the timeline of the signings that they had last year. So nobody ever should have been worried about that, but it's just a good example of how it's like, you, like, Nobody should, ever, nobody should ever like overrate. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. we're a reactionary group. It's a reactionary sport. I'm actually interested if, if you can if you can say, you know, some to give the give the people listening a behind the scenes look. How do those like Fletcher Cox signs with the Eagles? How do those posts do on crossing broad? Because I'll be honest with you, I kind of half ass them, you know, because I think yeah. everybody, 100 people write the same thing. A thousand people write the same thing. You have your ESPNs all the way down to like your your daily uh, smaller, even smaller than crossing broad um philly sports blogs and stuff how do they do numbers like do people even react to them or is it kind of just more of a, a social thing they do all right yeah i mean it's like bread and butter stuff that you feel like you're more you're kind of obligated to do versus like yeah 
So we we don't we won't, don't really do like AP news. We don't do like injury. We really don't do like injury updates and shit like that unless it's something really interesting, you know. But every once in a while, like that'll pop in Google, and then people click on it. And I'll look at Google Analytics and I'll be like, "This did seventy thousand. Why?" You know, like okay. you get something like that, you know. But but yeah, I mean, normally those just those are just kind of they do enough to justify doing them, but it's not like our our main thing, you know. It's just fine. Like the Briere story did good yesterday. Um. You yeah, know, we can talk about that. Tee that up for everybody because we'll uh, we'll save the Eagles talk for Jeff Mosher when he comes on at twelve. Okay. So tee up the tee up the yeah. Carson Breer stuff. Well, I mean, I guess everybody's probably well for people who didn't see it. You know, there's video of um of uh, Danny Breer's son who plays for Mercyhurst now. Hey, yeah. there we go. There's the uh, sorry to get involved in front of, but there's the uh, yeah. the the vibration that happens. The vibration, every year. yeah. So here's Craig's playing the video now, but he's at a Danny Breer's son plays for Mercyhurst University in uh, Erie. And there's video of him and two other kids at a bar who they were later identified as Mercyhurst athletes, too. And uh, there's a wheelchair at the top of the stairs and there's a bathroom at the bottom of the stairs. So he sits in the wheelchair and then he gets up and the other kid kind of moves it towards the stairs and he pushes the wheelchair down the stairs. So it was, you know, later like confirmed that the wheelchair belonged to this woman who was downstairs at the time in the bathroom because they couldn't get, they had to lift her up out of the wheelchair to take her downstairs for her to be able to use the bathroom. So the wheelchair Sullivan's not, not ADA compliant out there. No, well, it's funny because I heard people talking about that too, but that's a total, total side topic. But, but yeah, I mean, the video came out right from a security camera and, and a lot of people just, you know, ripped the guy and, uh, like rightfully so, because you're f- fucking around with like a, a disabled woman's. I'm sorry, are we allowed to say disabled now? A person so. with I, think a dis- I don't okay. think we. I don't think disabled has been canceled yet. Okay, all right. So there's a, a woman who needed the wheelchair, and it's like she's she can't get. You know, she needs help getting down there. Her that's a wheelchair is how she gets around, right? So he's he looks like a piece of shit for messing with somebody's piece of for a disabled person's equipment. You know, like you really got to be an asshole to do something like that. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, so then he came out and issued a statement. Danny Briere came out and issued a statement. Yeah. And uh, since then, he's, yeah, since then he's been, I guess the latest thing was he got suspended by the school. Oh, was they, it? They, I didn't see that. Yeah, that came out late last night. I don't think I got it up on the site until this morning. But yeah, I mean, they suspended him. I, they called it an interim suspension. I don't know what the fucking interim suspension is. I guess I mean, maybe they meant to see it stay indefinitely. Um, because I think interim suspension is like an oxymoron. It kind of means the same thing. But yeah, so he's not. So he's currently on the shelf, and uh, you know the rea- the reaction on Twitter is always all over the place. You know what it's I mean? All I mean, over like, the place. Yeah. Yeah. Half half yeah. the people want want him put him in jail and and you know handcuff him and send him to the gulag, and the other half the people think it's not a big deal. It's just a college kid being a college kid. But it's not. You know, again, that's what I was trying to say in the post that some people did not seem to understand was that. Like the incident itself, pushing a wheelchair down a stairs, a set of stairs, is not the worst thing in the world because nobody was injured, nobody was maimed, nobody was harmed, nobody was sexually assaulted. Uh, this is not Jalen Carter racing and somebody was killed. This is not Brandon Miller allegedly or whatever happened with giving a gun to somebody who was using a right. So when we separate that, it's it's right. The incident itself not horrible. What makes it shitty is that he was messing with a disabled person and their equipment, right? So hundred percent, yeah. So I think like people kind of all over the place and you know thinking like what's the appropriate punishment here and you know they link it then to, to danny briere and it's like yeah here's a picture craig pulled up a picture of uh, the woman who uses the wheelchair and she looks to be a double amputee i guess in the photo here so she needs the obviously she needs it to get around they did a gofundme to uh raise money 
I don't know. I don't think it was ever reported how damaged the wheelchair was or if it needed to be replaced or whatever. But, you know, it, it seemed like people kind of went all over all over the place with it because there were some people saying, oh, you know, the, look at the Flyers looking like idiots again. You know, Briere yeah. becomes interim, G, interim GM for four days and his son's messing around. Some people calling him a privileged, spoiled kid because he got kicked out of Arizona State for you know, violence. <laughs> some people, one guy, one guy goes, I remember him from 24-7. Remember when the remember when the uh, the Flyers and the Rangers did twenty four seven and Coots was living with Briere and stuff and then so they did like a profile on Coots Briere yeah. and the children and stuff and everyone was like I yeah. remember him being a dickhead in twenty four seven it's like what the fuck are we talking about the kid was like twelve no, I know, years I old know. people want to take it off on all these tangents and they want to go like well Briere you know the Flyers should cut ties with Danny Briere I'm like oh, oh wait, hold up here let's let you know okay let's just try to keep like all of this in perspective here. I saw a guy actually who said that he wanted to classify get the police involved and classify this as assault and battery because his thinking was that like you know he would he he wanted to amend like the ada the americans with disabilities act to say that like the wheelchair is an extension of this person's body and like you know we're going to classify it as that way and we're going to have the police get involved and press charges and we're going to you know categorize it as assault i'm like all right like let's just Let's just hold up here for a second um, before we go change laws and codes and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, let's just, yeah, let's just try to like apply a little bit of a measured measured thought to this. You, you know what I'm saying? That's that's my only thing. I don't think anybody's trying to down. I, I don't. I think everybody's in agreement that like messing around with the, like a disabled person's equipment is a really shitty thing to do, right? I, I don't. Yeah. I haven't found much opposition to that out there. But uh, you know, like, what's an appropriate punishment for that, right? The kid should probably apologize if there's damages to the wheelchair that he should probably pay for it. And, you know, if they want to suspend him, however many games they feel appropriate, I mean, that's probably, you know, I think if you ask most people, they would probably say that's like a like a fair, you know, punishment for all this stuff. I mean, you got mm-hmm. people talking about bringing the cops and cops in and kicking them off the team and all this. And it's just I don't I think with Twitter is like, man, if we if people on Twitter had their way, nobody would have a job and we'd all be in jail. <laughs> He you should know? have to intern at the Wells Fargo Center this summer and he, sh- he should have to he should have to be, you know, these guys who sit in the elevator. Yeah, you should have to be the guy to sit in the elevator and just take those awkward twenty-second uh, rides up to the mezzanine level with the disabled <laughs> people as they're just shooting daggers at him the whole time. Yeah, I'm you sure. know, I mean, look, it's it's I don't know, it's so weird. I mean, everybody just wants to like go off on all these crazy tangents. You know, it's like a rich white kid, a privileged like hockey player. And then people are talking about well, hockey culture. It's like a greater commentary on hockey culture. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just you know, I, I understand why why some people feel the way they do, but I think we got to at least. Uh, to try to you know try to apply some kind of like measured rational thought to this and let's try to you know keep things yeah. uh so keep things so the way i look at it the way i look at it i was like i never i have a real tough time killing college kids because i think of college as kind of like a four-year sleepaway camp where you just like get all your shitheadedness and all your you know and, and, and you get every opportunity to do dumb shit out of your system before you have to get yeah. into the real world and spend every day figuring out your life and working for the next 50 years until you die and, you know, he took it up a notch. Um, you know, we've all had shithead friends, plenty of us probably listening or uh, have been shitheads in our life or done shithead things in in, uh, in college. But like, you know, it's, it kind of ups it because he's a Briere. It ups it because he already got kicked off of Arizona State and now he's throwing wheelchairs down steps. It's OK to call him an asshole. And I think that's the narrative around him right now that he's an asshole and that's perfectly fine. But the the thing about life is. I think you can you 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 should always get that opportunity to change the narrative, and we'll see what he does going forward. Well, that's a question. I mean, you really hit on it right there because it's like, 
if he got kicked out of Arizona State for whatever previously, too much partying in his words. Yeah. What what what? It's not about like punishment in like a vacuum. It's like what punishment makes this kid get it right? I think Mo Dog kind of touches on that here because he says, um, you know, I I agree the best punishment is to give him community service with disabled people, right? I mean, is that that's yeah. something that hits on hits on it? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, okay, you you we're, we're not gonna like you know. Like we people should get second chances, third chance, whatever, whatever it takes. Like it's not about within the law. I agree. Yeah. But but what is it that makes him understand why this is a shitty thing? Okay, well, go be around somebody who's in a wheelchair for a while and understand what it's like to be that kind of like like that's something that that registers. You know what I mean? Charging the dude for assault and battery doesn't make any sense. Making the kid be around people with disabilities and understand what it's like to be them. That's something that resonates. Right. So we can have these like practical discussions of of what's you know, appropriate and what's not without going overboard here. Man, I got in, tr- I got in trouble in high school and I had to do community. I did community service. <clears throat> I had to pay a fine and I wasn't allowed to walk at graduation. Damn. So, I mean, that, that was like, okay, you know, but, but that, What'd that you do? Was, it wasn't even that big of a, we had, we started a food fight as a, as a class prank. They <laughs> let you walk because you started a food fight. Yeah. What was it? What was your like your principal, the guy from Bueller, the the principal from Bueller who just had a stick up his ass? Well, kind of because he got it's it's kind of a long story, but he got he got hit with food during the uh, during the food fight. So I think he I think he kind of took it personally. And like originally they wanted to like expel me. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do expulsion over a food fight or whatever. But then they walked it back and the superintendent got involved. They said, let's do community service. We'll be fine. And then we'll do this. And then, but, but that's a good, but isn't that, but seriously, that's like a good example of all this shit. Yeah, there it is. No, yeah, wrote it uh, this is you. Mercury. Yeah. Wait, this made, this made the Mercury, the Pottstown Mercury, Pottsville. Well, you got to remember, this is like 2002, like Boyertown. There was nothing else to talk about ever, you know? So this, this ended up, uh, are yeah, you named? Yeah. Kevin Kincaid received a 10-day out-of-school suspension for their actions. Yeah. Superintendent Charles Amuso said the two-minute food fight caused 1,000 worth of damage and injured seven students, one of whom required x-rays. Shit, what did, where did the kid with the x-rays? Well, okay, so, so, right so, in the yeah, eye? so real quick, this guy was being an <laughs> asshole, and he was cha- he was like chasing some some girl down and trying to hit her specifically, and I think he slipped and fractured his leg. <laughs> So he was being a dickhead, you know. What I mean, like some people just took it way too far. But they, uh, a friend of mine who had terrible aim, they, we back in the cafeteria board town, we had like the class flags for, you know, every every graduating class like on the wall. And so it was like 1968, 69, 70, so anyway. He had just had terrible aim, and he somehow he threw a slushy and he hit like the class of 1967's flag. And so they had to, so part of part of the fine was because they had to like launder this stuff. They had to clean the you know, labor costs. Yeah, but, I'm, wait, but wait, again, Frank. here's the thing: like nobody other than the kid who was being a dipshit and injured his leg trying to trying to go after somebody. Like nobody was hurt. Like bunch of food got thrown, cleaned it up. People went to the dry cleaners, and so so what's? You know, Dude, I can't believe this made the news. Craig, go up to the quote. Students are quoted saying they were frightened. <laughs> other students who were not involved were very frightened. Very, how soft are they up in Boyertown? I thought you guys were like part of the rugged, part of the people who don't give a shit about all the NIMBYs down south in Philadelphia and Lower Marion and Montgomery County and Bucksco. Look at you guys all frightened up there. Yeah, that quote's bullshit too, because that was coming from the. (laughs) 
coming from the superintendent. Right? He wasn't even there. So what's he say? Who's, who's he to say whether people were frightened or not? Superintendent. No, either the now, lunch ladies actually, the lunch ladies were laughing the whole time. They told everybody they thought it was great. You know, dude, nowadays they'd welcome a food fight. A food fight would be like number 15 on the list of things that the teachers and superintendents and principals have to worry about. But think food about this. Amazing. Think about this. This is before like cancel culture was a thing, right? So we're talking 20 years ago. I got 40 hours of community service, a fine, right. and they, um, you know, 10 day out of school and whatever, right? I mean, like, imagine if somebody did a shit now, like in, in the world that we're living in now, or like, you know, Danny, Danny Bear's son did this shit, you know? Um, Danny Rare's son, Danny Rare's like son would love to be involved in a food fight right now. That, yeah. that video did ten and a half million views on social media. Food know, fights don't I even know. make a blip on the radar right now. You couldn't even get in the Intelligencer or the Lansdale Reporter with a food fight out of North Penn or Lansdale Catholic. Now, and at the time, the Times Herald wouldn't even send a person out to do that. You know, it's like, did you guys split know. the fine? Yeah, believe it or not, I didn't pay a single dollar because the uh, the um, <laughs> friends of mine organized a fundraiser to uh get all them get all the money and they may they've people contribute enough money to cover the whole thing oh so, so this is like a happy ending people the community come together the students come together kevin can't walk still gets his uh diploma and goes off to west virginia and look at him now yeah yeah but i mean it's like at the time it was like the biggest thing that ever happened in boyertown because it's boyertown and nothing happens you know so people were talking about the food fight for like 10 years afterwards but but you know what i'm saying like you know you like the reason for me bringing that up it's like what what is so how are you gonna how are you gonna punish something like that? How are you gonna punish something like Danny Briere's son to where we're doing it in a way that's like the kid should get what he deserves, but we're not like going going overboard here. You know, there's there's yeah, we're not ruining the kid's like, life. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, not everything's the same. Not everything's the same. And I get what people are saying about the nature of the woman being in the wheelchair and she's disabled and like whatever, but if you do something to a disabled person, if you do something to a black man, if you do something to a woman, if you do like people use the term hate crime and they want to categorize these things, pretty much everything is a, is a, is a transgression, right? I mean, there's, there's got to kind of be careful what I'm saying here, but people know, you know, people, people know what I'm saying. Like everything can be elevated to be worse because of who the victim is in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So at some point we got to have rational people come in and say, okay, what, Jalen Carter's situation is what Brandon Miller's situation is and what Carson Breer's situation is like, these are three different things. It's not a one size fits all approach to like, you know, punishing, you know, each of these situations. So I don't know. You just want people to kind of take a step back a little bit and, and say like, all right, what's, what's like realistically what, what should be done here? You know, I think Modog has a good, uh, good, good comment here out of school. Suspensions are fun. Should have made you guys clean the cafeteria for 10 days. Give the cafeteria staff a 10 day vacation. I a hundred percent agree as a guy who did a one or two in school suspensions or had to be in uh, lunch detention. There's nothing worse than not being able to go to recess or having to do all of your work in some conference room in the principal's office. Um, before we yeah, get yeah. Uh, Mo Sean, I think he's coming on in two minutes. I did want to talk to you real quick. Joel Embiid MVP favorite. And uh, I, I think me and you are both in agreement here. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's no shot Joel Embiid wins the MVP. Um, I, I just I, I don't think the voters have it. You know, between the no, athletic guys, between the bigger guys, between ten cent, like I just I don't yeah. say it. Yeah, because I you know Vegas Vegas is move Vegas typically moves stuff when they've got like you know inside knowledge of something. But I mean, is Vegas like in the heads of uh, the the 37 people at the Ringer who have the votes? You mm -hmm. know. That, that's why it's a little weird to me. So I don't, I don't know if they, if, if this is a push to get some money on Embiid, uh, but to me, like I, I immediately put money on Jokic at plus one fifty because I'm like, 
I, I don't, I, I don't, what, what, what's, there's been nothing there that's convinced to, to convince me that like Bill Simmons and his ilk are, would, would change their votes, you know, like just because yeah. of Embiid's been playing the way that he has, we all see it, but is it enough to make, it doesn't matter what, what Vegas thinks. It, it matters what you know, the voters think and the voters the last two years have showed us very obviously what yeah. they think. There's unconscious bias in everything. Everything that's written, everything that's voted on, everything. I mean, if you're a Jokic guy, you're 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 a Jokic guy, and you and both guys have arguments for each other. You know, if you're an analytics person, you could talk about Raptor, LeBron, catch-alls, all this analytics stuff that is completely throwing off NBA conversations. And if you're a guy like you or I who can just watch the game and watch that Joel Embiid affects it both on the offensive side and on the defensive side. You can just boil it down to something very easy that, you know, I would take that guy two to one over Jokic. But I mean, I think one day this is going to be looked back and it's going to be laughed about. I think it's going to look back like uh, there's going to be kids on Mars when we finally colonize Mars or the moon. And there's going to be laughing yeah. about this fat Serbian guy who was a two is a two time, maybe three time MVP. Just like we kind of laugh about Steve Nash winning back to backs when he had Duncan, when he had Shaq putting up unreal numbers back then, too. So. Yeah, I you know I don't and I don't think that like in like Daryl Morey tweeting about it. I don't think Sixers fans like constantly like harping about it. I don't think Embiid's some of the things that Embiid has said and done in the past. I don't. I think they. I think that's a realistic thing. I don't think that helps. You know, because I think really it helps. That. I know. I don't think it helps. I think that people think that the Sixers are whiners. I think that they think that Daryl Morey is a whiner too. And I don't. I don't know how that influences the voters specifically. But like when you're constantly up their ass and telling them that they don't know what they're talking about, then I mean, I'm sure there's going to at least be a couple people influenced by that. You know, I don't. I don't know. If they, I don't know if they hate the process or not. I don't. I really don't know if they do. But I mean, knowing having been in this long enough and and knowing that you can be swayed by by you know certain influences, then yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to say like, you know what, fuck Daryl Morey, I'm I'm gonna vote for Jokic again. You know, I mean, look, Zach Lowe is like as steady as they come. You know, he was on his podcast the other day calling Daryl Morey juvenile. Yeah, you know? I saw that. So yeah, so I, I'm I'm sure there's something to it, you know. But I got my money on Jokic, and you know, while I could. Yeah, definitely. If you if you got a chance to go back on Jokic plus one fifty, you got to take it right now, and and you sprinkle a little bit on Embiid to hedge and everything. But a lot, I think a lot of people got Embiid at plus four fifty, so you're kind of just sitting pretty. So yeah, um, yeah. But the hedge but for me, the hedge for me, the hedge was uh, you know either I make money off Jokic winning it or I see a Sixer win MVP for the first time in twenty years. You know, so mm-hmm. that's my win win yeah. in this situation. You know, well, let's ask our guest who maybe one day will have an NBA MVP vote. I don't know if he's looking to switch. Uh, <laughs> You know, we bring him on to talk football. Bring him on to talk football. Yeah, bring him on to talk football. But hey, Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds, NFL Insider, Jokic or Embiid? Is it tough to be Switzerland on this and and to to say that there's merits to both? (laughs) That's I'm pulling for Embiid. I feel like you know why, why don't why doesn't the MVP fatigue not happen to Jokic? You know how like in other sports. Like Michael Jordan should have been the MVP every year. Tom Brady should, but the, wow. you know the voters get fatigue and they go to that like new shiny new toy. And I just wonder why why has Joel not been the shiny new toy for the last you know last year or a year before? Maybe not this year. It's time for yeah. a new shiny toy. I th- I think as Kevin Kevin pointed out, I think everyone just thinks we were a bunch of complainers between the process between Joel and Beat adapting the process nickname to saying they hate the process. Daryl Morey, like he referenced, and dude, Sixers fans are. They're a nasty bunch, man. You see with Eagles fans, you're wrong. (laughs) You you, you report something like uh, uh, an eighth 
of a of an inch wrong about you know a Darius Slay tweet or something like that, Eagles fans will jump down your throat. We're just we're wild. We're we got to hear something. We got to work on our segues with our guests because we asked Jeff came on to talk football and we asked him about basketball. And last week we had Connor to talk about college football. And we asked him about the Atlanta Thrashers was the first topic that we brought up with him. Oh, so Jeff, Jeff talks football 24 seven. I enjoy it. Yeah. Let's let's talk anything but Eagle. Not that I, there's anything wrong with talking to Eagles, but, I, you know, by the way, has anyone sort of mentioned that Kevin's starting to starting to a little bit look like Aaron Rodgers these days? Is that has anyone made that reference? So he gets Nick Sirianni a lot when his hair's a little lower or a little, little shaven more. But you are right. He does yeah. look like he just came out of a darkness retreat. Yeah. How'd that, yeah. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, well, it didn't make me want to play for the Jets. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but no, I, like I coming that, out of man. a darkness retreat and going right back into one. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, but when my hair's short too, I get cork miles also for some reason. I think because right, we I got the same that. nose. You know, it's like my profile shot. I got the big nose, the big schnoz. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's been. Uh, I can't even keep up. You know, you had the Darius Slay stuff last night. You had Miles Sanders. I mean, the the moves on the first day. I, I if if I like just threw it to you generically man and said like what's what's the, the first thing on your mind when it comes to the last 48 hours of the eagles what's uh what do you think him you know it feels like uh, a little bit of a let's try to get as much you know i think i think people were scared so what was on my mind is i think people thought that this was going to be such a mass exodus that this entire team i even heard just listening to sports talk radio things like oh my god how he's waving the white flag on 2023 he has to rebuild a defense and you guys know this i mean when when in the last 15 years of this team covered 20 has the team ever said you know what we're, we're just not going to be competitive next year you know never they've never said that so in no. fact people thought the same thing about the team this time last year because bradbury and cj gardner weren't on the team in fact this time last year you're starting corner opposite slay was like Zach McPherson and your starting safeties were going to be Epps and Jaquaski Tart, right? So right. <laughs> it, it's we, we get I get it. I get it. It's hard. Like even you know, I, I'm we're all in the business, so it's we're used to it, but it's hard as a fan to watch like names go off the board. Oh my god, this guy get this, this guy get that, this guy got this, and like, oh my team's not doing anything. But you know, like the the best teams are usually not doing things right now. They're usually not in a position where they have to spend a ton of money on outside guys. So I think the Eagles are doing what they need to do to preserve their, their best players. And they obviously knew a lot of their players who they developed who, who were probably overpriced. were going to walk and get big deals. And and you got to rely on your coaching and your scouting staff to, to kind of get that new wave of younger guys in at linebacker and safety. You know, I think in just two years, we've probably seen better talent development out of the Sirianni regime than we have from the Doug Peterson regime. I think that's fair to say with the younger guys. And so we'll see, that's going to have to be crucial going forward. Now, I don't know how, um, how much you looked into this and everything, but how, how, how close was Darius Slater to, to leaving? If you have any knowledge on that. Well, I just know that he wanted more money. And he even came out and said that at yeah. the end of the year, he tweets in, the whole time, everything, yeah. all his thoughts. <laughs> right. And we, Hey, look, we all want more money, but I, I can't imagine that it was close because as soon as the Eagles sort of said, well, let's go see if somebody's willing to give you more money and nobody made a trade for him. You know, the report was out there. You know, a lot of teams do that before they're going to cut a guy. They're going to tell reporters we're going to cut a guy just to see if a team calls up and says, wait, 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 you know, we'll give you a six rounder for him. So we don't have to battle anybody out in free agency, but 
that clearly didn't happen. Uh, it's not that he's not a good player. I just don't think that at his age that other teams wanted to go and give him a new contract and the monies that he's looking for. So he, he comes back to Philadelphia, and we'll, we'll see. I'm anxious to see how they resolve it because I'm not sure the Eagles even wanted to give him the $17 million that he was going to get this year So because uh, they've got to make other moves. So we'll see what he comes – we'll see what the final numbers are. That's always what the original numbers and final numbers and restructures. You have to wait until see see how it's all spread out. I think Fletcher Cox is kind of in a similar like vein of, of thought there because I guess uh, attached to one or more of the reports was that he could have gone elsewhere and taken more money. I think somebody wrote that there was a quote unquote more lucrative deal that he turned down or whatever. I I was just like skeptical of that, not to like poo-poo on other people's reports or whatever, but like how much mm-hmm. what what kind of market would there really have been for for Fletcher Cox? Because even 10 million feels like a decent chunk for me. Yeah, you know, what I've learned, Kev, is that um, it's not that these are lies, per se, that we turn down more money. But a lot of times the, what it is is a, a player turns down turns down a comparable contract, but their contract offer came in a state like Florida, right, where there's no income tax. So it actually yeah. winds up them okay. making more money there. You know, do I think Fletcher Cox had some kind of $15 million a year mark? I, I don't think so. You do have to be aware of teams, though, that sort of like with the Niners, right, that are good teams but still have quarterbacks under rookie deals because they are more willing to shower a player. Like, uh, like, or, or even teams that uh, I can't remember. I guess when the Bills signed Von Miller, did they already had they already extended Allen? I think they did, but they had surplus of money there. They were able to do it. Yeah. So sometimes you do have to be aware of a team that thinks like, hey, if I can get, you know, 50% snaps out of Fletcher Cox on my defense. That's already good. Well, that's even better. And we've got the money to do it. You do have to look out for those teams. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was like a one year deal out there that would have paid him more than 10, but I'm yeah. skeptical that it would have been more than like 13 to 15. Um, and what do you make last year? 14. So I'm, I'd be a little skeptical of that. Where are we at on CJ GJ? I think that's everybody's like crown jewel. Like if, if, if how he's able to get CJ GJ under a deal, I think everyone will just will will be good until the draft. Yeah, I think people would really like that. You know, the Eagles have prioritized him for quite a while. They want him. They also are realistic about what the market is. Uh, and the the franchise tag was fourteen million. To my belief, they felt that even though they want him badly, that he'd be hard pressed to get fourteen million a year. The only safety to get more than that right now so far has been Jesse Bates, who's a multiple All Pro, Pro Bowl conventional traditional safety right and he got 16 million and if you go look at the safety market after that guys like Epps and Donovan Wilson and Von Bell uh, they all got about six to seven million so there's an in-between here Poyer as well by the way I don't think the numbers are out but from what I heard he got somewhere between six and seven million and he was probably the second best safety so what you're looking at is CJ Gardner Johnson probably making not 16 not 14 but something in between the seven that the other safeties are getting and what what uh, the tag is at 14. So, so probably something in the nine to 11 range. Uh, I do know that the Broncos are in the mix, so I'm sure they've made a competitive offer as well. Well, at least competitive as far as trying to get him. And uh, I, you know, I don't know what the numbers are on either offer, but I know that the Eagles have been working and do want him back. And so, um, you know, if I'm CJ, I'm guessing I'm hoping that there's three or four teams instead of just one or two, because obviously it helps the price tag. But, you know, I don't think he's going to get 14 a year. 
I don't think he's going to get the tag number. I think the Eagles were correct in not using it, and we'll see what it comes out with. I I kind of got um sorry. Let me throw one in here, Kyle. Um, I got like ripped a little bit on Twitter the other day for making the mistake of him. Well, yeah, I mean, right. I could just end it. That could be the sentence right there. I got ripped yeah. on Twitter the other day. No, um, not yeah, right. You know what else is new? Um, not not even for agreeing with a with a Joe Giglio, but just for kind of like backing the the thought that uh, I didn't think it was outrageous. I, I didn't think the topic of Jason Kelsey and what you do with Cam Jurgens. I, I thought there was legitimacy to that. Like you drafted a guy to be his replacement. Kelsey comes back for the second year now. Cam Jurgens, at least from what I understand, like had, did he play any guard in college? And like is the is the prospect of having him play guard like a solid one, or does that is that less than ideal? Yeah, so um it's not a crazy thing what Julio was saying. I, I understand that too. It's hard to talk about legends like that. It, you do when you draft a guy in the first or second round, you have to get him on the field by year two. Because if you want a good team-friendly extension, that's got to be done by the end of year three. And you'd like to have at least more than one year of knowing if a guy can play or not and seeing if he can stay healthy. And to your point, Kevin, especially a guy who really has only played center, I think it was his last two years. He was a tight end, transferred to center, so he does not have a whole lot of center experience. And if you guys remember, Jason Kelsey got hurt. He had the elbow surgery last Mm -hmm. year. So while that was great for Cam Juergens to get a lot of snaps in his spot at center all throughout training camp, and he showed he could play it fairly well, at least in the preseason, it was actually – not great for seeing whether he could cross train a right guard, which is what the plan was. So they're going to have to sort of do that this offseason year. Now, theoretically, it shouldn't be that difficult. And obviously, Sayamalu, who amazingly is still a free agent, by the way, but I still don't think he'll be back with the Eagles. I think the opportunity will be there for Cam Jurgens to play right guard. And as long as you see him play right guard, I think you can get a pretty good idea of whether he's going to be a good center. You know, the plan when they drafted Sayamalu all those years ago, was for him to be Kelsey's replacement because he actually was athletic enough and projected to be a center. Yeah. So where I disagree with Joe is I don't think you need to see Cam Jurgens play center, right? I think you just need to see him play on the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you saying, Kyle? I'm sorry, man. No, no, no. I forgot anyway. It was just it was a good answer. So I was actually I'm so. <laughs> I left you speechless, Kyle. That's no, yeah, it was great. <laughs> just, um, as, as you can tell, we don't really plan out our questions ahead of time. We just kind of wing it, and then uh, you know, I know that he's going to ask something when he puts the mic up to his mouth, and then when yeah. I don't have a question, I kind of back off. I, yeah. I like it better when it's unplanned, so that's all right. <laughs> no, no, I got this one written down. Uh, and Fletcher Cox took took less money, supposedly. You know, you you said what you said. James Bradbury supposedly took less money. Is it they see something or they're talking to Sean Desai and they're like, I love this guy's game plan. I'm really excited to kind of get in there. Is it they just want to run it back because they just the Eagles just went to the Super Bowl? Or is it just like, you know, moving sucks. No one wants to move, whether you're me, whether you're you, whether you're a millionaire athlete. Moving just sucks. Like, what is what is some of the reasons you think these guys came back? Well, uh, Fletch. Come, Fletch, I know for a fact, you know, from from just what I've heard about him, he really does like playing here. So I, I he likes being here. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Do you know how many former Eagles still live here? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Who are not from here? It's listen, people really like the Philadelphia area. They like the Jersey, Philly, East Coast, oceans, at restaurants, cities. Everything is is all in in good driving distance. So people, the schools are great. So people like it here. So it doesn't surprise me that Fletch has always wanted to be here. And even though he's big into hunting, I guess you can get enough of that done in South Jersey. I mean, Trent Cole 
nobody hunts like Trent Cole, and he has made his uh, livelihood here in South Jersey as well. So that doesn't surprise me. I think in the case of Bradbury, he's sort of fortunate in – well, the Eagles are fortunate – that he hit the market at a time where there was not another elite corner or a really good corner to help raise the market price. You know, he kind of was the top corner on the market, him or Jamel Dean. And it's not like those guys are five times, six time all pros who are going to get, you know, the, the, the record, the, I guess Jair Alexander makes like 25 million a year or something like that. And plus all the guys who would have normally been ready for an extension after year three, who were drafted three years ago, like Jeffrey Okuda, CJ Henderson, none of them did all, all that well. So again, nobody really raised the price for this year's crop of corners. So James Bradbury is out there as one of the best guys, but he's also only made one pro bowl and he's going to be 30 soon. So it wasn't like a team was going to be racing to give him a five-year, you know, $125 million deal. So um, do I think he probably had better offers? Yeah. And again, that might have been just from like Jacksonville, for example, who I know wanted to, to look at cornerback and you don't have to pay the Florida tax uh, income tax there. So maybe it was a, it would have been better financially for him to go there. But I think you heard James say at the end of the year, money was important, but also being on a good team was important. So he wasn't going to go take – you know, $40 million from uh, the Indianapolis Colts, right, to a year to to, to not be good or whoever is not yeah. going to be good next year. They uh, – I, I mean, I think it was – you know, it's weird about this offseason is that there's, it's hard to concoct any kind of article or story saying, hey, here's, you know, seven steps for what the Eagles should do in the offseason because there's so, like, a million different ways that they could go because they had so many free agents that it was like – I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't put together a mock draft right now because they could have. I mean, I could you probably eliminate cornerback now, but other than I that, I wouldn't. I hope they don't. But yeah, because well, I, you know, I'm, I'm the yeah. of the mindset that you you should draft the best players there as long as they can play, and you can certainly get a corner right on yeah. the field these days. And well, if you had a if you had a Weatherspoon or a Gonzalez there at ten, I mean, yeah, I guess they would have to think about it. And and that's what that's what they do, man. I mean, you're right because it's because it's like they, they've never been. We're going to draft what position of need we have. I mean, they will take Cam Jurgens in the second round and stash him for a year if they have Absolutely. to, you know? So that's yeah. why it makes it hard to, I guess that's what makes it hard to project what the Eagles are going to do with the draft anyway, because they don't, because it's not obvious moves like that. Like if I had to guess, you know, so they reinforce the trenches. I mean, I would, I would always put my money on that, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you have a sense now of, of what they would do in the draft or even what, what you would do if you were Howie? Well, look, if they were prepared to let, um, Darius Slay walk right and and knowing that Bradbury could have taken another offer I think that they absolutely understand they have to re rebuild their cornerback spot not just even with these guys back they have to have a future plan Vontae Maddox has hurt a lot I think theoretically you could move Bradbury into the slot for a little bit the way he plays if you had a really good outside young outside corner you wanted to play I mean you could also do that with CJ Gardner Johnson but we don't know what's going to happen with him right now but they have not you, they've wanted to take some corners in the past. You know, they really wanted um, Patrick Sertain a couple of years ago. He went, so they traded up and got Devontae Smith. That worked out anyway. But they're not – I know that, that it looks like they're averse to corners in the first round. They're really not. Safeties, yes. Linebackers, yes. Corners, no. It just hasn't worked out. They always have a, a lineman or a pass rusher or a tackle, right, who's um, higher ranked. But I think that they – I would be surprised if they didn't come out of this draft with some cornerbacks, if not the first round, then second or third, because they really, A, they need to do it because they haven't done it in a while, and B, they freaking need to hit on a young corner. I don't think that they've had a young 
cornerback that they've drafted reach a second contract in 20 years. You could check me on that, but I can't think of any corner they've drafted that they've signed to a long, a second year long term deal since the Lido and Sheldon days. Do we count, count Avante or no? Who? Do we count Avante Maddox or no? Because he's a nickel corner. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of mean outside corner. Right? Outside corner. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I mean, hey, listen. No. Bradley Fletcher, we went through all those right. signings that that the, the right. Burnt, yeah, right. At least they're hitting now on those trades and free agent signings. Yeah. But you know they were they were missing on those too with the Carrie Williams and the Bradley Carrie Fletchers. Williams. And yeah, I remember Nolan Carroll's. Yeah, I mean they Nolan just Carroll? went through names after name after name. <laughs> Ellis no, it feels Ops. like it was like feels like it was forever ago. It feels like that was a hundred years ago. But like it really was not was not oh, that Darby. long ago. No. Jalen Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby were your starters in the Super Bowl. Um, right. Jeff, they, they, I mean, the one thing that we all kind of knew is that they weren't going to pay Miles Sanders, obviously. Um, you know, Carolina makes a ton of sense for him. To be honest, I forgot Deuce was down there until I looked, until I saw that yesterday. Um, I guess he got like six million per something like that, 11 or 12 guaranteed. I, I, number one, are you, does that make, make sense for you that, that money for him? And number two, what did you think of Rashad Penny and, um, and, uh, that move? So um, I think it would have, I think Montgomery got about six million a year. You know, I think you know those guys probably went into free agency, especially Miles coming off the year he had, thinking, you know, top running back. Maybe I'll get myself ten or eleven, and that just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you know coming back from the combine, he was pretty aware that that wasn't going to happen anyway. So it's a good fit though, Deuce and Frank Reich, and I wouldn't be surprised in that offense if if they tried to throw him the ball a little more i know he's had issues catching the ball but if you remember his first year with doug i mean he caught a lot of balls down down the field and that kind of offense down there will probably be more conducive they have deontay freeman who's a free agent and you know kaplan on our podcast uh, was reporting that freeman was looking for some big bucks so maybe they thought we'd rather have sanders who's probably a more well-rounded running back and you say our offense you saying Foreman, Deontay Foreman? I'm sorry, Foreman. Yeah, yeah. not Freeman. Yeah, Foreman. Deontay Freeman. Yeah, no, it's like I, I think I did that a hundred times myself. Yeah. He was on Deontay Adams. Deontay Adams. There's yeah. a Deontay. No, it's killing me. But yeah, um, yeah. so, so I think it's a good fit. And Deuce Daly there, as you mentioned, yeah, can coach him up pretty good. I think it's a, it's a pretty good fit. Now the Penny signing is like one of those vintage Eagles. Like it's not going to hurt me in the comp pick formula. A high upside low risk if he gets hurt it doesn't matter we've got three other guys but if he stays healthy and runs behind this offensive line maybe we got something there so it it, it's it's a good deal um he's a different kind of running back than miles they really don't have a guy who's going to break one 40 50 60 unless he does penny does because he just explodes through the hole um which is always possible with his offensive line but i would tell you this i would i would not forget about trey sermon even though it's easy to because they gave him two carries and then basically sat him for the rest of the year. It wasn't, as I'm told, because they didn't like him. It wasn't lack of effort. It wasn't anything to do with they liked the, their rotation at the time. And I was told that Sermon, the coaches really like how he practice and really like his attitude. So he'll he'll get a chance. You know, if he's the better guy and if Penny's, you know, not what he, they thought, I mean, he's got to have a lot. I mean, all those injuries Penny's had. Yeah, ACL. I mean, it's hard to think that that can't take a toll on you on your and your play when they stack up like that. So I just wouldn't discount Trey Sermon. All right. Um, how much do you think Howie's uh, learning from 2018 after that Super Bowl? 
I would say probably not much if you're bringing back Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. You know, I mean, what was his what was his comment? The, those after after it was basically after 2019 when he was asked to look back on the two years right after the Super Bowl, and he said, "Well, I my weakness is that I I fall in love with my guys no matter how old they get." And then they continue to bring back Jason Peters year after year, mm-hmm. and some of this feels Peter esque, Jason Peter esque. But you know, look. It's not like these guys aren't productive players, right? Brandon Graham had a very good year last year. Fletcher Cox, they're rotational as well. Um, Jason Kelsey's still playing at the top of his game, so it's it's sort of hard to knock Howie here for for making these moves when these guys are contributing the way they are contributing. It's and when you look back on it, man, I mean, it kind of starts, in, in my opinion, anyway, starts and ends with the quarterback. I mean, you give a you give a long term deal to a quarterback like that, it doesn't pan out. I mean, this one seems like he's bulletproof for nowadays. Um, actually, yeah, let's, let's talk about a little bit about Jalen. Where are you, where are we at? Like in the contract is, is the contract basically hammered out in your opinion? And they're just kind of waiting to announce it. Are we still, you know, trying to get it over the goal line? Where are we at? You got yeah, I've, I haven't heard that it's hammered out. I know that that that's kind of the thinking because the Eagles are spending this money. Right. And there's some sort of conventional wisdom that, well, if they're spending this money, they must know at least a framework of what they're paying Jalen Hurts. And I would disagree with that. I mean, a lot of a lot of the money they're spending, you have to see how it's spread out. You have to see what years the money's in. So, I mean, and, and by the way, with Jalen Hurts, he can get an extension that technically doesn't have to start until 2024 because he's under contract in 2023. Now, what they'll wind up doing is probably putting some new money in an extension into this year and raising his, his cap number, but it's not going to be $50 million this year anyway. And so they know that, right? They know that they have that flexibility. So that's why they can sign players, but that doesn't mean the deal is done by any stretch of the means. So I, you know, I have no information on that. Is there any chance he doesn't go into the season with a new deal extension? Sorry. Well, I don't think he'd play. I I think he's one of the few players that can say, you know what, there's no deal here. I'm not going to play. And it's not going to, you know, if he took a year off, I don't think, uh, it's going to hurt him all that much, maybe a little bit, but coming off the year he just had, I don't think it would hurt him. I don't think it's going to get to that because the Eagles have never not taken care of the quarterback. I mean, you go look at even yeah. when Kevin Cobb, that year that they named him the starter, it's like they immediately moved to make him at least market value for a quarterback um, to to just make it fair and equitable. Yeah, because well, that's the, last- that's the clip, Kev. That's the clip. We just cut that's off like- Jeff. When he says that Jalen Hurts isn't going to play per Jeff Mosher, <laughs> if he doesn't do get a, a, bad, a bad a bad edit there, yeah. yeah. But no, you know oh, it's yeah. funny, man. Because like that actually makes that goes back to what I was saying on Tuesday about um, Jeff. We were talking about like off the field issues and stuff like that, and trying to remember the last time that the Eagles had like an incident, right? And the best thing we could come up with was like Nigel Bradham punching the pool boy. Right. Yeah, who, who, who by the way was like 50 something years old i don't know why we kept saying pool boy he was a pool man he was like a, oh, man. Like a yeah but anyway um pool octogenarian likewise, but likewise when's, when's the last time the eagles had some like major contract dispute or like issue that that was like the top of the line like the biggest thing the biggest news ever like they just they don't they don't let themselves get into those situations to begin with yeah, it's, you know a, it's a far cry from the mid 2000s yeah. when they used to give extensions back when you could do this after two years, right? Yeah. And they yeah. would give this good upfront money. And then the guys who signed the extensions like two years later, because then two years worth of extensions would happen for other players. And they'd be like, oh my God, I my, my base salary is so much lower than all these other guys. And then it would cause a lot. Yeah. Of, so, so the NFLPA and NFL changed that in the, in the CBA and they made it three years 
that you could do that. And then, of course, the fifth-year option came into play and the franchise tag. There really, you're right, there really hasn't been, um, not to mind, you know, nobody's held out that I can remember. It's never been a whole lot. Even this, even this Slay thing doesn't register a blip, right, compared to some no. of the, the dramas that they went through in the 2000s and 2010s. There's not going to be another Terrell Owens situation, you know what I'm not saying? Like, the, Eagle, the, the, the Eagles just don't. Eagles don't let themselves get into those kinds of situations, which is, I think, why Eagles fans sometimes got to take a step back and say, hey, man, we don't have, like, dudes with character issues. We don't get this Dallas Cowboys stuff very often. Um, you know, we don't have these contract disputes and holdouts, and and people shouldn't take that lightly, you know, because it happens in a lot of places. It doesn't happen here, and, I mean, I think that's a testament to to mm-hmm. Howie and Jeffrey Lurie at least running a a, a relatively tight ship here and 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 keeping things – you know, in house, and if they do have a, a thing like the sleigh situation, I'll get it resolved right away. I mean, they're not going to like let these things linger, you know. So I think that's probably the the best thing I can say about them. I only have one more, and then I'll see if Kyle's got one more for you. But um, we spent like the greater part of the year defending Jonathan Gannon, and and we introduced the Q Gannon brand, which took a big hit during the Super Bowl, obviously. But uh, <clears throat> you know, so I, I I found it completely hilarious, and look. I don't know if Sean Desai is going to come in and play something completely different and and throw us for a loop or whatever. I, the guy hasn't had a snap as Eagles defensive coordinator, but he's another Vic Fangio kind of disciple. We know it's two high safeties and, and whatever. I just think the thing that I've been trying to like smash into people's brains all year long is like like the Buddy Ryan, the Jim Johnson, the Bud Carson. Like there's just those guys just don't exist anymore. I know everybody wants this. I know everybody wants to see the Eagles defense look a certain way, but it's a zone league. The quarterbacks are amazing. They're going to carve up, you know, teams that blitz a lot or play a lot of press man. And I just, I'm, I'm there. I am Q Gannon, you know. So I'm not. Yeah. I've, I've come to, I've come to accept that this is. And I feel like I got ahead of the curve because I watched a lot of terrible Big Twelve football before everybody else did, where I saw a drop eight and I saw three man rush and I'm like, this is what football. This is what football is. So I can't. I'm not. I couldn't get upset about any of that stuff. And I've, I've resigned myself to the fact that this is just what football is right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, maybe it doesn't help that in the division you have Don Martindale. So, you know, two, two games a year, you get to see what it's like when a guy throws like seven or eight guys all the time or six guys or doing what he's doing. And then there's Todd Bowles who does the same thing, but you know, there's, it's few and far between. I mean, there's not that many teams that are up in that 38 to 44% blitz rate, the way Bowles and Martindale are. And you're right. The, the the Fangio the Fangio has become like the Sean McVay of defense, right? Where anybody who like got touched by him or had a conversation with him or yeah. you know gave him a tissue if he sneezed, all of a sudden becomes like a defensive coordinator candidate or head coach candidate. And but his defense works and it's popular and look, it really helps because it became a league of explosive plays. So then the adjustment was, well, let's become a, a defensive league of eliminating explosive plays let's play more zone let's play protect our corners we'll play two safeties deep let's let people run on us and try to go down the field in 14 or 15 plays without turning the ball over because that's that's pretty difficult to do the eagles happen to do it really well but not a lot of teams can do that and so that's what the league has become um and and then i i think the fans who get mad it's like do you remember the conversation that we just had about how hard it's been for the eagles to actually draft and develop quality outside corners who can lock receivers down when you do throw those six and seven man rushes because even when Jim Schwartz was the coordinator who did not blitz at all but played a lot of cover one so he did leave his his corners on islands I mean how often were they getting beat over the top I mean constantly 
getting beat over the top. So that's what the league is. Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman are very cognizant of the trends and, you know, the, the I, yes, the days of having a Buddy Ryan type guy, they're just not there. And and I am curious to see what Sean Desai does differently because I'm not sort of letting Jonathan Gannon go completely absolved that he could have had some better plans. Every single time he played a decent quarterback, he got carved up. There's no denying that. That is true. Uh, and sometimes when he played a bad quarterback like Andy Dalton, he was getting carved up for a little bit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sean Desai does differently. Uh, from But it's not probably going to be – he's blitzing that much more. It's going to be what does he do up front to try to break down protection schemes to get himself some free rushers at the quarterback or some overloads and some pressure on the quarterback. Sometimes we open up questions to the commenters. They're, they're actually relatively fair, which is also nice. Um, Bobby Jonas has one thoughts on the current linebacker situation. I'm guess he's talking about, you know, how much do you believe in Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean, Nicobe, Nicobe. I, I sometimes say Nicobe. I don't know why. Uh, Nicobe Dean. And then do you think it's going to be, Kind of uh, kind of a year like, you know, uh, getting Kaiser White on the free agency uh, one year deal, prove it deal or something like that. What do you think about the whole linebacker situation? What do you say? Yeah, it's, it's funny. The Eagles finally, after years of failing, hit on a good one year stopgap linebacker in Kaiser White. And then he winds up still being a one year stopgap anyway. Not that he was great by any stretch of the means, but, you know, we're talking about like the Eric Wilsons who got released halfway through last year. Right. And then. uh Corey Nelson and, um, you know, the guy, the guy from the Chargers who retired before he even decided to play. And, you know, who's the who's our friend that we'd like to pick on? He's now with Washington. The guy who got burned by Claypool. Like Nate, Nate Gary. Gary. Nate Gary. Right, yeah, it's he's like still just, in the league. He is. He's with Washington, I believe. So yeah. the white yeah, snake. Figure. Nate That's Gary. Right. Yeah. That's I'm going right. to send something to Craig here in the private chat that I want him to pull up. You know, I was going to say, Mosh. Oh, no, we did, did am I Craig or am I Jeff? What happened here? Who, who's Craig? Craig, no, 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 Craig is behind the scenes. He's the producer. Oh, 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 okay. This is a very professional uh, uh, live stream you've come on. Did Jeff even get to answer the linebacker conversation? Oh, I'm sorry. I may have cut him off, but Craig. No, that's okay. Look, anyway. I mean, the, the point was Nicobe Dean's going to step in and get that shot. And, um, you know, next to him, they'll probably look for another one year guy. I, you know, Christian Ellis is a guy that they really like. It wasn't just on special teams. Yeah. They like that he's fast. He can run around. He's got good instincts. So, He'll get an opportunity to compete for that. But the funny thing, Kaplan and I were talking on the podcast this morning. If you go look at all the free agent linebackers, there have been like 25 that have signed already, and there's still like 20 more that are all <laughs> the same level that will be available in May and June and July for the Eagles to sign if they want. So um, it may not be as good as as Kazir White, who brought some some speed to the position. By the way, Davion Taylor, he's there on that list. He's still with the team. The new yeah. – the new coach that they got for linebacker, the new linebackers coach they got from from Temple, DJ Elliott or JD DJ Elliott, right? Yeah, he was Davion Taylor's defensive coordinator at Colorado, so there's some familiarity go. there. So I don't know, yeah. maybe that opens up the door. Camus Grugier Hill, he's six on the list. He's actually a free agent right now. I know this was a WVU guy, by the way. Yeah, this was a list that I put together two years ago. I think that I, I ranked the, all the linebackers that they had on the roster since the Super Bowl year. So number <laughs> Roy one. Reynolds, I love it. <laughs> Nigel Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks, Alex Singleton, Nate Gary, TJ Edwards, Camus Grugier Hill, Eric Wilson, Duke Riley, uh, Zach Brown. Zach Brown. Oh my God, not wow. the guy with the band. Jannard um, Avery, Sean Bradley, Patrick Johnson, Davion Taylor, Rashad Smith, uh, and Leroy Reynolds. That's what I came up. So far cry. From, yeah, far cry from what it was. Yeah, you actually gave me PTSD 
Jeff, because you mentioned the the corners getting beat over the top during the Schwartz era, and I remember oh. that like that couple week span where all anybody would ever talk about is like the the sluggo. Like, is another Eagles corner going to bite on a on a sluggo route or something? And Schwartz would come out and he'd play like that 60-40, like hash safety where Rodney McLeod would be back there. Malcolm Jenkins would be up yep. like in the box or whatever. And that was the thing of nightmares. But it's just funny to me because a lot of the complaints that people had about Schwartz were the same complaints they had about Gannon. So yeah. that's that's when I learned where it's like, okay, it's just a Philadelphia thing. You know, I was going to say, who is the last defensive coordinator since Jim Johnson that this the fan base liked? Bud or Carson. is there has have they liked anybody? I mean, uh, Sean McDermott even got it. Not really, you know. I mean, Sean didn't didn't have some great years here. He was just starting out, and then it went right from Sean to to, to Juan Castillo. I think we all remember how that went. And mm-hmm. then after Juan, it was uh, Billy Davis. Uh, Billy Davis, and uh, yeah, that might not have been his fault because Chip's offense didn't really help the defense out. Um, but either way, he wasn't. He was. He didn't have a good defense, you know. Mm-hmm. So. And Jim Schwartz was like sort of mildly liked. I don't even think that half the fan base really liked him that much because he never blitzed. No, no. I mean, that's we look I, at it. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I that that's why my takeaway from the Super Bowl was just, look, when you look at Super Bowl 52 and 57, all four defensive coordinators involved in that, they all got cooked. Right. I've, I've always yeah. said, yeah. yeah, if the Eagles ever had a team like the 2000, what, the 13 Seattle Seahawks, 13, 14, the Legion of Boom, if they ever had a team like that and won a Super Bowl, there would be a statue built to all 11 starters mm-hmm. because that would be the ultimate wet dream for Philadelphia sports fans. Oh, Absolutely. That's why my ultimate, my lasting take and the take that I'll cling to until the day that I die is that Super Bowl 57 was Super Bowl 52 without the strip sack. Super Bowl 57 was Super Bowl 52. Yeah. 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 That's all it was. Yeah, I mean, right. that, yeah that was the only. I mean, right. Yeah, you could talk about because because we were did this on a previous show and we were saying how many defensive big plays can you name from both of those games combined? The strip sack, obviously. Malcolm Jenkins knocking out Brandon Brandon Cooks, I guess. But even then, it was like a twenty yard gain, right? right. And then right. and then the third one, I think we came up with was like Rodney McLeod, like uh, catching the guy in midair or something. But no, yeah. I mean they gave it. Jim Schwartz's defense gave up more yards. And more points than Jonathan Gannon's defense did. You talk about time of possession and all that stuff. But the point that I was trying to make is like, look, they every they all got carved. Spags got carved up. Matt yep. Patricia got carved up. Yep. So, yeah, you got to score points to win Super Bowls. And there's no doubt about it. You're not going to be. There's very few. I know they had the, they had that 13-3-1 a couple of years ago with the uh, what was that the the Rams and Patriots or something. Yeah. But try to the anomalies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was not a fun one. Yeah, you ready for Penn State basketball tonight? Texas Tech, baby, let's do it. I yeah, am. It's not PM. bad, man. They they can shoot the if they shoot the three well, they can they can hang with pretty much. I don't want to say any team, but any team outside of the top ten, they can hang. Dude, with. they just hung with Purdue. They can hang out with anybody. Yeah, they they could. They could. Well, that was a weird game because they didn't really hang until like the last five minutes, and all of a sudden they decided to to show up and press. And the funny thing, I don't know if you guys saw that, but the end of the game, they're asking, uh, "Who's the Purdue coach? Painter? Matt Painter, right? Yeah, Painter." Yep. They're asking him about winning the Big Ten championship, and all he could do was rip his team for not being able to handle a press, which yeah. I thought was hysterical. Usually, you do have a regular season game. You just won the Big Ten, Big Ten championship, and you are literally spending five minutes ripping your team. A true coach. He's a true coach right there. Yeah, he would slide yeah. right into like it's SEC football or something. By the yeah. way, Pagan, what did I tell you about West Virginia? We were up thirteen to four, and now we're losing thirty-two to thirty. So there we Bob go, Huggins. baby. Go yeah, near Huggins. Bob Huggins special. You can play suffocating defense, but nobody can score. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that. 
need a yeah. Kevin Pitsnoggle redo for them, right? We were talking about him earlier. <laughs> no, you weren't. Were yeah, you? We were. We were. We were talking about Pitsnoggle. He gained 100 pounds. He's teaching somewhere in, in, yeah. in Morgantown, Charleston, West Virginia. God He's at the time of his life. Nice. Well, listen, that's why I say either I'm going to make money or my team's going to win. So I've I've walked myself into a win-win situation thanks to legal sports betting. Nice job by you. Yeah, hey, Jeff, yeah. thanks for coming on. Congratulations for not having to watch Sean Clifford for the eighth year in a row this year. <laughs> Go follow Inside the Birds and uh, with Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan, wherever you can get podcasts. And uh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and, good, and good luck to the Penn State guys. I'm a Temple guy, but I'm actually rooting for Penn State basketball. I can't hate Penn State basketball. Appreciate that. We we need a little bit of a bandwagon in this city because it's like, you know, nobody wants to talk about Penn State in the Philadelphia area. I don't know why. There's a lot of us, but, you know, yeah. we got to bring out it. The That's right. That was against Purdue, right? That was a good was game, too. Yeah. 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 So All right. Penn State could be the best big five team right now. So there shut, you go. shut up. <laughs> Stop it. I think Joe's has some great guards. <laughs> thanks no. jeff all right guys take care yeah, man. appreciate yeah. it man appreciate it uh you got anything else for today i'll let you I can, I can let you go back and you know watch your mountaineers and their uh and their season yeah uh yeah maybe i'll go do that i don't have anything else oh, to say it was hold, a good on. Show. hold on one second alex day coming in cjgj tweeted out seven minutes ago since been deleted the disrespect is real <laughs> this fucking guy i you know listen <laughs> can you just leave a tweet up you know I, I, that's true. I rather, you know, I rather them just all leave their tweets up. For what I remember, I'm pretty sure Slay's pretty good at leaving his tweets up. I think he's deleted a couple, but you know, he was tweet, he was tweeting through it last night, and he was, you know, he he was feeling like every Eagles fan was feeling, you know, who wanted him to yeah. come back. Yeah, just I, I don't know, man. Like sometimes I think we've all been there. Write your tweet out, put it in drafts, give yourself 15, 30 minutes, maybe give yourself an hour, and if you still feel the same way, okay, tweet it out. But maybe sometimes, yeah. you know, we need a. Uh, we need, we need to throw those ones in drafts. I'd love to see CJGJ's drafts. I mean, if these ones are getting tweeted out, there must be some awesome ones in drafts. Yeah, it could be a story on the site uh, in the near future. Top 10 CJGJ <laughs> tweet, tweet and deletes. You know, he yeah, he's uh, he's got enough of them, that's for sure. So Jonathan Gannon, number one. Number one. Yeah, um, yeah him and AJ Brown are in the clubhouse leading. They're fighting each other right now, leading and who can delete more tweets. Um so, yeah, both All of those right. guys got to stay, got to stay off social media, man. They don't have to, they don't have a damn thing to do right now. They should both be in the Bahamas, you know, seriously, like, dude, if I, was, if I was a millionaire athlete, I'd be in some tropical Island right now and I'd have yeah. the bat phone on me. And if my agent calls the bat phone, I got to answer. And if not, then yeah. I'm sitting there drinking my ties, drinking whatever I can get. I my would be, on. I would be out there with Chris Long climbing uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, last thing I'd be doing is on fucking Twitter because I, God knows, I spend enough time on there anyway, arguing about Carson Briere. You know, so. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, hey, I Good got luck to piss. the ears, man. I, I got to piss so bad because I started doing that thing where I'm trying to drink like a gallon of water every day mm-hmm. again. So I got to make sure I save until after the show because I, I otherwise I need like a catheter or something here. You know, TMI maybe. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> thank no. you for that. <laughs> I just, I just, I just sucked down a, a pint or two. From my water, I was on coffee and a little bit of this uh, La Croix, lemon La Croix, which is which is like crack. Um, um, all, right. all right, hey, who you got winning it all? Who, how many brackets you got? Who you got winning it all? I don't know. I did the auto fill out thing since I didn't have oh, enough no. time to pay attention no, to college basketball this year. Fifteen years ago, I would have had every single pick. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Houston, Alabama, Houston won it all. 
Got to rep the AAC. That's an AAC title before they go to the Big 12. That's what we need. Oh, yeah. Big defender. Big conference defender. There. Mm-hmm. You're like the SEC guys. Cheer. You're like the Bama fans pulling for Georgia, you know. SEC. <laughs> SEC, yeah. Duke. Um, all right. Wait, no. Marquette, Alabama, Houston. And I forget my other one on the uh, on the other region. That's my final four. So. All right. Well, Not all of us. Sure. Some of us should sit on the can and do our brackets like normal people. Some of us do autofill. So, yeah. Well, I've devoted way too much of my life these last three months to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I sacrificed college basketball in the meantime. You know, that is true. I've I've watched the the least amount of college basketball than I've ever watched in my lifetime, and it's probably yeah. due to yeah. the Phillies and the Eagles both going to the, their yeah. their their, uh, their respective. Welcome, titles, welcome, welcome aboard. Yeah. Now we've got. Uh, Oh, these are high re- replay highlights. I saw a full court press on there, so I know it was a Huggins game. But all right, on that note, I'm out. I got to piss. So. All right, brother. Thank you to Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to you, the listener. Thank you to Jeff Mosher for coming on. Thank you to Craig on the ones and twos behind the scenes. We will talk to you on Tuesday. And have a great weekend. 96 hours of basketball. What is better than this? We'll talk to you.